playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced weird stuff has happened in the past and here i am to tell you about it i guess yeah i will yeah absurd real history hello and welcome to absurd real history the podcast where i find interesting stories from the past and find guests to tell them to. This week, I am joined all the way from Australia, theatre maker Lucy Hayes. Hello. G'day, I should probably say. G'day. I got very stressed out at Australia this morning because when I checked the time difference, I just assumed it was 10 hours ahead in Adelaide, (laughs) not 10 and a half hours. Like that extra half hour should be illegal. It's bad. There's three time zones and the one in the middle does daylight savings and the other ones don't or one of them I don't I never know what time it is anywhere I always have to google it and I live here so do you know if you do daylight savings we do in Adelaide the east coast doesn't the west coast might but I don't know when no one really knows much about the west coast (laughs) bless them I just want to know where that half hour came from though so what's the time difference between the east and the west coast is it an like an hour I think it's half an hour, but depending on what time of year, it's a different half hour. So we're either behind or ahead. I'd have to Google it to know. I just got, I just got very disorientated by the fact that it was that extra half an hour. So um, I apologize for not being ready on time. I apologize for my country's stupid time system. I'm going to be honest with you, Lucy. I may be a bit stereotypical in having you on today having australia on today because we we are talking about a a certain word that i know australians love which is can you take a guess vegemite i don't know vegemite no Uh, we're talking about cunt lucy oh fantastic (laughs) oh we do we are fond i was like i'm talking about cunt i have to have an australian on right (laughs) you you must you simply must yeah, it's interesting because in America, it's very, very taboo. And also, so is bitch. I didn't realize that bitch was like a bad word oh, in really? America. Oh. Yeah, I remember once I ha- I said it like in an improv kind of rehearsal and the person leading it was American. And they're like, oh, we don't like, don't like using that word. It's like derogatory towards women. I'm like, I'm more likely to call a guy a bitch. Actually, no, it's, bitch is gender neutral for me, you know, it's, it's just like being a bit bitchy. It's so, but in America, it's very much like only women are called bitches. Well, it's like the entirety of culture is kind of derogatory toward women. So what are we, what are we left with? What can we call people? Yeah. So, and, and cunt is a, is a very weird one because in Ireland, it's kind of a bit like, it's not quite as open as Australia. The Scots mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> Uh, being called a wee cunt is probably one of the highest forms of endearment in Scotland. Uh, it's affectionate in Scotland. It can be affectionate. Just talk to me about just uh, just Australia cunt usage. Well, I mean, like, it's nothing that you would say to a teacher or, a, you know, like it's it's definitely not. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's definitely not like a friendly word. Yeah. In Ireland, you know, one of the highest forms of compliment is, you know, calling someone a mad bastard, mm-hmm. you know, but you wouldn't call your teachers a bastard no, or no. whatever. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, depending on the adjective you attach to it, it's a bit like mate in the sense that depending on the adjective and the tone, it can mean a hundred different things. Like if you call someone a sick cunt, that's a compliment. Um, but if you call someone a dumb cunt, that's not a compliment at all. Mm. 
It's a, yeah, that makes sense. But you could also call someone a dumb cunt very affectionately if they've just done something silly. And you could also call someone a sick cunt in a way that implies that maybe you don't really think they're that sick. It, it just, it's, it's tone of voice and context and just passive aggression, which is most of it, I think. Cunt's a weird one for me. I've gotten used to, to saying it because it's a word that I never really liked, just more for the sound of it. Like it's quite an aggressive word, but I wouldn't be offended if I heard it. It's just one that I personally don't really say or just thinks a bit like, I don't know. But then, you know, I recently found out some stuff that I'm going to talk about now about it's like, wait a minute, the whole reason that cunt is like such a swear word is misogynistic in itself. Ah, I, I can't say I know much about the the etymology and so forth. Yeah, that's what we're, we're talking about. Fantastic. It's really very interesting. It's really, really interesting. Most of my listeners are from Ireland, but there's a good few in America as well. And I think so. We've given them a language warning. Yeah, it's just I mean, don't play I it. Mean, in they're the going to see the title. <laughs> well, the title of the episode is going to be "Cunt." Oh, they'll know. They'll know. Good. So they'll know. I think if you're clicking into something called "Cunt," I think you you know that that's what's going to be said. But yeah, language warning. <laughs> Watch out. Just just so you you know, when I was in college, one of like the the main nightclubs that we went to was called See You Next Tuesday. Fantastic. And it had a giant stamp that was, you know, about the size of a, like a smartphone kind of lengthwise that just said cunt, massive black stamp on your arm. It was a really good nightclub. I would go, I think they'd get a fair bit of business just for the stamp. Well, it was really, really good because it was the, they played good music, fun music and... It was a great, great night out for anyone who was in college in Dublin in the early 2010s, definitely went there. But it's interesting because you could never have that in America. <laughs> like imagine Probably if there was. Not. And, you know, I looked into it and there wasn't really that much controversy to it. You know, the club ran for five years. Um, uh, but I did find that one journalist complained about mm-hmm. it, took a picture of it. I was basically like, I don't like cunt being stamped on my 19 year old daughter's <laughs> arm. I find it very offensive. I don't know if it's an age thing, which I would be happy to accept, but this is a word to describe a woman. That is the worst. I can't think of a worse word. Can you think of a worse word? It, I, well, I can't, but it was the official, it was the official, I think it was an official tourism slogan in the Northern Territory here for a while, <laughs> 2016. And they still sell like posters and stuff of see you in the Northern Territory, which is ah, obviously yeah. see you. And then you make the in the very yeah. small. If you just if you just Google yeah. see you in the NT, it's everywhere. Which we were of course delighted by. In America, you can say fuck, but you can't say cunt. That's wild. I did a comedy class in America and I was doing a sketch and I had fuck in the sketch loads. And then at the end, because one of the I mean it wasn't a good sketch, it was in a class, but one of the characters, the kind of joke was that he was like a really sweet old grandfather but he like swore did really aggressive swear words so you know exaggeration this is a little sketch writing tip you you know exaggeration so I kind of made the cursing escalate more and more and more so at the end obviously you know he had to call everyone like a thunder cunt cock juggler or something like that I don't remember the exact phrasing and 
you know, my teacher and everything else is like, you can't just have that in there for no reason. What do you mean I'm no like, reason? That is, because he's, swear- he's swearing. That's the reason. And it's like, no, you can't. Like, And you're escalating the swearing through the sketch. It's, I, I see no problem with this. Yeah. And as I said to you, you know, at the start, it's a word that I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't use it in a, like, in my everyday life. I'm trying to start. I'm going to start to, I think, maybe. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. I'm not the trend. I'm in two minds, which we'll talk about at the end now. I I want to be able to use it more. So I had to practice saying it a lot. So I'm happy that I'm I'm saying it a lot now already at the start. And it seems the awkwardness is slowly disappearing. It's not a word that I would use personally. But if I'm writing a character that I think would use it, I have no qualms, you know, putting it in a script. Hmm. Using cunt as an insult, I'm much more likely to call a man a cunt than I am a woman. Same, actually, yeah. Yeah. And bitch is gender neutral. Was if you talk to America, in American, it's like, you know, cunt is very specifically a derogatory term for a woman. Not that men aren't also called cunt, but it's a word that is used yeah, to describe. Yeah, the central, the, 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 the nature of the insult is that, haha, I'm comparing you to a woman thing. Like, that's yeah. the... Which... Um, I don't, I, and I don't, and obviously etymology and all that kind of stuff and descriptivism and there's plenty of debates, but I don't think it has that concrete a link to the the anatomical definition in the way that it's used, like casually in Australia. That's yeah. my big bold flag in the ground claim. <laughs> uh, well, obviously this is all anecdotal evidence. The club cunt in Dublin, anyway, they replied to this outrage. It was just one article, one thing, and then it seemed to fizzle away. But they're saying, our club name is a phrase in common usage represents to which can be found in popular culture around the world. The phrase, see you next Tuesday, has featured in song lyrics from Kesha and Britney Spears, as well as the popular TV show, Sex in the City. There you go. I feel like if the promoters had explained the history of cunt, as I'm about to, that would have helped their argument. Because I believe if you hear the history, you're like, actually, yeah, we should all say cunt more, or at least not be as offended by it if you choose not to say it. You know, in Ireland, we use, you know, fuck a, we use fuck as a, a verb and an adjective and a noun. As a filler word, um, the fucking, <laughs> fucking, which again is not, not really common in America. I swear, I think an average amount for an Irish person, but when I went to America, I, I always feel like I need to walk around with a giant explicit flag and I feel <laughs> awful. Just, a, just, a, just a, a rolling language warning. There's a radio station here who have like a little language warning track that plays before like any song that has swear words <laughs> in it. And I think about it every day. Cunt wasn't always a swear word. It was as far back as Hamlet, right? Because that's always my defense of the word that it's in Hamlet. There's that whole scene yes. where he's he's being a terrible monster to Ophelia who deserved better and shouting about country matters and we- and that was that was the intended joke right oh yes one 100 percent country matters madam that's yeah that's my that's my best Shakespeare Shakespeare's texts are full of cunts they were very <laughs> cleverly hidden which suggests that by his time cunt was beginning to be censored mm. yeah and that Hamlet line do you think I mean country matters? Oh. Followed by, that's a fair thought to lie between a maid's legs. Just pretty. He's he's a monster. Cunt is in fact one of the oldest, if not the oldest word for female genitalia in the English language. Traces back to at least 7,000 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's con- often considered the most offensive word in the English language. Often at a level up there with horrible racial slurs, 
Whereas we can understand how words such as the N-word have come to be so offensive for what they represent. But what does cunt represent? It doesn't represent anything on that level. But in America, it's on par with that word, like with the N-word in America, which is crazy. What did cunt do to deserve being up there in the big leagues of swearing? Well, it, it was associated with women, obviously. Exactly. Which is a great crime. Yeah, exactly. As far as I'm aware, uh, cunt didn't help create genocide or anything like that, like various racial slurs. No, it just created life. It just, you know, one was involved with the birth of literally every person who has ever lived. At least involved, if not like directly the mouth from which they emerged exactly. into the world. I mean, obviously you got that Macbeth, Macbeth thing of people who were born by cesarean, but there's still, you know, yeah, it, it was involved. It was involved at some point. Most, it was involved at some point. Most of the time it is, it is involved. Yeah, exactly. What did Kant do to deserve to be this offensive? Because up until relatively recently, when we talk about like the grand scheme of the world, Kant was just what the vagina and vulva area were called. That was just the name for it, the general term for it. And I still, and it still has such power to it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the sound of it. Like it's like cun and then a very plosive T. Like it's a very aggressive word just in how it sounds, like negating any of the cultural context. I'm like working through it, but I don't want to just like mutter it out loud to myself because of that that resistance that I have to it. It's like, oh, like a part of me is much. But you're as, Australian. I know, but it's still like. I've been, you were meant to help me. I've been thinking about it. You were meant to help it. me get. Been thinking about it, it's power. And there's, there is a four-year-old child who lives downstairs and I always worry that he can hear me somehow. He can't. It's fine. You know, it's fine. It's it's in Australia. If he doesn't hear cunt from you, he's he's going to hear it from someone else. <laughs> he's going to hear, hear it somewhere else. Although I think though that like fuck and shit are both similar. Yeah. Like they don't have a, they don't have a nasal in them. But I'm trying to think a word that is almost. I mean, you talk about shunts. They're like things that you put in your like a in a. What is a shunt? I have no That's idea what word. you're talking about. <laughs> No, it's a word, and it has almost an identical structure like a, in terms of the cont. Like it's, I'm going to Google it. It's a narrow tube that allows excess cerebrospinal fluid that has built up inside the skull to drain into another part of the body. Obviously, as we all know. So if you don't want to swear, you should just go, "Oh, shunt." Yeah, and you're just using a medical term, and no one can get angry with you or ban you from their areas. I have done all the research, and I'm like, you know what? When I think about it logically. Cunt shouldn't be a swear word, really. Not really. And the fact that it is, is misogynistic. And I still am finding it hard because even if you get used to saying it, there's still the societal agreement of the world. And we'll talk about mm. that more later on. Is it's like, it, you know, can cunt be reclaimed? Yeah, because I mean, if it, if it does do harm to people, oh, then you get into arguments about slurs and then I talk and never stop talking. But why is cunt up there with racial slurs? That's what it boggles be, me. Right? It shouldn't be. Like, if you take offense to the word, yeah, whatever. But there are a million different reasons why the N-word is like, you know, see, I'm not even saying it, but like I'm saying cunt. No, and I never would. Yeah. I would just nothing, no power on earth would make me say that. But cunt is just... It's, but there's it's a rich, I mean, I, rich in a negative way, history you know of racial slurs which you know makes sense why they're considered so bad but as we said before mm. what does cunt represent cunt doesn't represent horrible or maybe it does represent extreme sexism to some people but in general 
it doesn't have that history. The history is very different. The history... Well, because the word in itself, I guess, and I guess this will get into the etymology that you're going to discuss, the, like, the history of it is not, I am describing something that is inherently bad. The history is in the same way that the word vulva refers to just a piece of anatomy. Mm. That is its history, and we put the bad stuff on later. So you could call someone a vulva, which I now actually find quite funny. If we, I was going to talk about this a bit later, but I'll get into it now. But if you are thinking... I've completely destroyed your structure because that's, that's what I came here to do. I knew this would happen. So to be honest, this is the least structured. Usually I write a proper essay and yeah, it changes when I'm talking to the person. But this one is just kind of all over the place. I apologize to you for that. But I think <laughs> it's it's often more of a discussion. And I knew that you would add new Australian cunty insights. <laughs> <laughs> Well known for my for my cunty insights. That's going on my on my CV. You know what I'll do? I won't explain to you why, but I'm just going to give you a little sneak peek for a little further on in the episode. Historically, uh, not historically, if we speak about the etymology of it, words like vulva and vagina are misogynistic in how they came about in ways that cunt isn't. Oh. All other words that we have for the female genitalia it's just trying to find a replacement for cunts. Interesting, because someone at some point decided that ah, uh, cunts a bad word now, so call it something else. Yeah. Mm. The thing is, cunt as a word, like its roots, is so old that the exact root and origin and history of it is still debated amongst etymologists. There's no structure. There are a few things we do know, but... It's all etymological theories, which I tried looking into a lot and explain as best as I can. But honestly, it was much more complicated than I, I thought it would be. But what we do know is that it dates back to at least 7,000 years old. It's traced to the old Norse term cunta, as well as the Latin cunis, which is where we get words like cunnilingus. Any link to words like cunning? Yes. Possibly. Mm. That's a theory. You have the coup is an Anglo-Saxon root term where we get words like cow, queen, oh. cunning. It generally means woman and it's linked to things with woman. And again, linked to the Latin cunis, which links directly to vulva. And there's a great cunt theory. I heard it described in a, a book that I was listening to is possibly said to mean knowledge. So that's where we get cunning from because now cunning is more sneaky. So isn't that a great idea that cunt comes from same words as knowledge? So great knowing. There's a huge amount of power in that. Absolutely. The wisdom of, the wisdom of, of I mean, women. Yeah, it could be related oh, to nice. the gen root term, words like generation, genitals, genre. Or guna coming from woman, which I thought was interesting because guna is Irish for dress. So ah. could come from that. Hmm. Of creation. It's so old and rich in history that we just don't and know. Powerful. And powerful, yeah. Yeah, wisdom and power. Why would they want to take that away from us? Can't imagine. Can't possibly imagine why the gender that can't create life with their bodies might. Speaking, this is a bit gender essentialist of us. There are women without cunts and men with cunts and people who are neither who have one or not or etc but speaking generally in the way that yeah I was thinking about I was thinking about this at the start of um when I was writing this episode because I definitely agree with you in that but just for terms of 
reference and ease and especially because a lot of what we're talking about is historical here we're, we're just talking about literal anatomy here guys mm. and i don't yeah so the 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 genitalia of the the xx chromosomes most of the time the complexities we acknowledge the complexities but we're not going to bring them up in every sentence and i love that it's complex because we will never get anywhere yes and you know similarly still can't is the Dutch word for but to this day. And there's a lot of, you know, Germanics and Scandinavian languages that have words that sound very similar to cunt, refer to things around that area. Interesting. So when did it turn bad? When were we no longer politely allowed to talk about it? As sex became taboo, cunt became taboo. But also um, the only word that can kind of argue is older than cunt we don't know is yoni have you ever, ever ter- heard of the term yoni i have mm. what do you what do you could you explain yoni to to it, us or me it's I, I usually the context i hear it in is like a, another way of referring to the cunt it, there's a good chance yoni and cunt are actually related yoni of course for those of you who don't know is kind of an similar to how cunts originally it originated from being an ancient Sanskrit word relating to like gods or words like sacred home, abode. Now it is gen- generally related to rich white Americans on the... Yeah, it's been very much appropriated by Gwyneth Paltrow and stuff such as her. I was going to say, it's got like a, like a, like a, 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 a mm. neo-hippie kind of vibe. I tried to research it more to get like a proper definition of it. But a lot of the stuff, you know, if you put in like, what does Yoni mean on your search engines? Uh, I use DuckDuckGo because I'm too hipster to use Google most of the time. But sometimes I switch to, sometimes I switch to Google. It's mainly Gwyneth Paltrow's Yoni eggs or why we should all do a Yoni cleansing. It's been very much this kind of witchy, rich shoving things up your vagina that you really shouldn't um and to be a powerful goddess kind of way public service announcement it cleans itself (laughs) you don't have to do anything water is enough you're done water full stop yeah i used to like that term yoni when i first heard about it um because i I always struggled. Like, I don't know what to call my genitalia and I don't like any of the words. And Yoni was the one that I liked the most. But now I'm like, it's a, it's quite a pretentious term because I don't really understand what it means. And I think a lot of these people don't. They just associate it with old ancient things. Well, you know what other word does that? Cunt. What I do like about Yoni is the word yonic as a counterpart for the word phallic. Yeah. Because I've needed that word. I've needed a word that sums, that, that allows me to say that looks like a vagina without having to say that looks like a vagina that is yeah that's yoni is very useful for that i do like yoni yoni as a word and a term but the fact that you wouldn't expect yoni and cunt to be the <laughs> like the two originals they're like sisters yeah sisters that don't get on sisters that took very different paths in life and now now this is the play this is the like hour-long family drama where they're, they're back at family dinner because someone in the family has, has, has forced them back in and they've got to confront their problems mm. and, and come back to, I'm pitching a show now. <laughs> the Mohabharata, and i pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right, but probably not. I'm really bad at pronouncing things, which is why I decided to do a podcast, which is all about speaking, but 
you know, I do my best. <laughs> it's a major Sanskrit epic poem from India, believed to have been written between 200 and 400 BC. And in it, the main character is Kunti, or the goddess Kunti, and sometimes referred to as the, the yoni of the, the universe. And there's actually loads of, you know, ancient gods from various old religions and like even in buddhism there's a kuni which is a lesser known god and i believe a lot of these are kind of have been disappeared because they sound a bit too similar to kunt kunti has another name priya which she is more probably more often referred to as now and yeah so vagina where do you think vagina comes from Latin, probably. It comes from Latin. And it was first seen in the English language in 17th century medical text, which is much more further down the line than cunt. Mm. And it comes from the Latin word for a sheath or sword sheath, which means it only functions in relation to a sword, which I think you can put two and two together. Yeah, which is very... Yeah. Come on. Uh, vulva isn't that much mm. better. It came about in the 14th century, so late 14th century. So it's older than vagina. And that comes from the the Latin term that suggests to wrap. So again, still a containment. Oh, great. So it exists. It's it's very, its definition is inherently linked to a, a sexual function. Yes. There is also the issue that there is no word that really relates to the all of the the bits and bobs you know, down there, you know? Whole, the whole, whole situation. You know, vulva is the outside, vagina is the inside. Cunt men means everything. It's the whole it's the, It's it everything. Exactly. What other words can you think of that is, you know, everything? That includes the vagina and the vulva. Just the whole situation. Yeah, none of them. Cunt's the original, and every other word is just trying to make sanitized versions of cunt. Mm. Or it's like some cutesy, like way like some cutesy little euphemism like oh the lady parts or oh my downstairs which I've always like loathed with everything in me because if you if the only thing you if the only way you have to refer to a whole like part of your anatomy is some cutesy little euphemism like that's teaching you and everyone around you that like oh we can't talk about this though like coochie you and have to sanitize foof. it and make it cute like foof. a what foof <laughs> that's where like Irish kids like when they're younger that's what the, a lot of it is a lot of people are like, you're foof. Is is that what is that an Irish word for It's kind of like um what is the Irish word for, for, for these parts? Fine, which you know comes from you know slit that's, that's, or better than, that's better than yeah. sheath. Yeah, the thing with the Irish language is that you know it's a very old language, you know, back from you know pagan times and then mm. Catholicism stripped it a lot. So the Irish language that I would have learned is very much a, a sanitized version mm. of what the original was. Yeah. Just kind of frustrating. So, yeah. I want to live in a world where cunt was just the name. Yeah. It's just what you called it. It's just what it's called. You know? So you'll have like a four-year-old child being potty trained, being like, that's my cunt. I think you're potty trained a bit earlier than four. I think so. <laughs> Still, yeah. But yeah, you know, that's just the word for it. And there's... There's no shame and it's relating back to the ancient times. It's just the technical part of it. Yeah, especially in the absence of a word like that. Uh, So when did cunt first appear in the English language? Uh, The first kind of Oxford dictionary reference to it refers to a red light district in Suffolk titled Grope Cunt Lane. 
That is fantastic. I would like to live yeah. on Grobe Cunt Lane. Various of this were all over medieval England, including Bristol, York, Shrewsbury, Newcastle, Worcester, Hereford, Southampton, Oxford. Grope Cunt Lane. And it was the red light district because you went there to grope cunt. That's just what you did. That was the... Of course, all of these have been renamed things like Grove Lane. The one in Oxford has been renamed Magpie Lane. Cowards. There's just various variations across medieval England of grope cunt. And that's where you went when you wanted to grope cunt. That's so straightforward and just practical and sensible. And I'm very disappointed that we've changed Grove Lane. Magpie Lane, all right. (laughs) A variation of grope cunt was last recorded as a street name in 1561 but yeah there are also several instances of cunt being a surname that's brilliant as well yeah now this possibly could have been an alias for some people in 1839 there is a record of a woman named fanny cunt fantastic which is yeah great and her son's richard cunt (laughs) dick cunt yeah (laughs) And she had two daughters as well, Ella Cunt and Viola Cunt. What a family. Mm. It's a proud family name. How dare we? How dare we turn it into an insult? What would be your new stage name? Lucy Cunt. I love it's 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 almost a drag name, hey? Yeah. Probably is somewhere in there. I'm sure. Carol Cunt. There'd probably be a C. Cindy Cunt. Carly cunt. Carly cunt. Hmm. If you are dabbling in the drag scene world and you've yet to come up with a name, may I please suggest Carly cunt? (laughs) That's very good. It's very good. So sex wasn't offensive in medieval England in the way you might think. Not that it was like a time of sexual freedom, but sex was considered a normal and celebrated aspect of married life and often joked about. Blasphemous words were much worse than sexual ones. So this is one theory and one that I think kind of makes sense as well is, you know, you could have been hanged or put in the stocks or, you know, put in extreme trouble if you use blasphemous swear words. So if you had said a word like damn or God's wounds was the, mm. the worst thing you could say, which is where we got zounds. Which is funny because that now that's like, you know, those old Batman cartoons. <laughs> but words that related to sex were not discriminatory, were not considered bad words because they were simply descriptive. Cunt was simply descriptive. Hmm. So maybe people just started saying cunt because it, again, it sounds plosive and it's a great sounding word as a replacement to say, as to saying words like sounds. In the same way that people say sugar instead of shit. I mean, that's not proved anywhere. Um, but yeah. It, so it was by the early, yeah. It's interesting. It is. It was by the early modern period that people started getting offended by sex and ergo guns. Why did, why did people start getting offended by sex? A stronghold of... Did someone just do a really good bad job? Like, did someone just do a really bad job of sex at one point and the word just spread... We're not doing that anymore. We're I think it's related to like anymore. temptation, maybe, you know, um, Carl, who knows? That's, that's, a separate, that's a separate podcast. Yeah. The, the voyage of, of sex. 
There's a classical dictionary of the vulgar tongue, which came out in 1785, which defines cunt as a nasty name for a nasty thing. There you go. There it is. When was that? That was 17... 1785 was the first edition of that, Francis Grose. Another word for cunt is quanta, which is, they're, they're essentially the same word. Quanta and cunt. Yeah. Q-U-E-Y-N-T-E. Oh, okay. And this was in Middle English. I'm kind of jumping around time periods all over the place. Now, one person that loved Quantra and Cunt was uh, Chaucer's. The Canterbury Tales is in particular full of Quants and Cunts. The same thing. Interchangeable. Hmm. Full of them. And again, it's used in the descriptive term. Mm, not in a, we're going to be rude about this person. It's Not in an insult, just descriptive um, stuff like I... She had a lovely quanta, quainter, quant, quant. <laughs> Christian clergymen preached the idea of a woman's genitals as a potent source of evil, referring to cunus diablo, meaning devilish cunt. And shrines across South Asia depicting any reference to our goddess Kunti or various other uh, cunt-like goddesses were destroyed and deemed blasphemous and grotesques. Bit of projection there. And we already talked about, you know, Shakespeare. The, the fact that cunt is hidden in Shakespeare suggests that by Shakespeare time, now we're starting to get a bit, um, it's starting to get become a bit of a, a nasty word. Well, you had, the, you had the Puritans trying to shut down the theatres, right? Mm, yeah. That's what Malvolio is all about. You also had the, the where we get the word balderdize from, the family Shakespeare's that has all those kind of sex references edited out and that <laughs> also... Um, what is it? I think in Hamlet, everyone lives at the end. It's so, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's that's so bad. beautiful. We fixed it. No one dies. The family Shakespeare's. That's, you know, that's, could be a funny episode in itself. Didn't catch on. But that's where we get the word to Balder dies because his name was something Balder. I can't remember his first name. I didn't write down. So as sex became repressed, words related to the body continually became taboo. And women's parts and sexuality came in particular censor under Puritan rule. Which brings my theory as to why cunt and swearing in general is more offensive in America. Because if you consider the American society that we know is built on, because obviously, you know, the Native Americans are the pure Americans. But the what the America we know now on is built on... The colonial legacy. Was yes. Puritans. Was Puritans. It was Puritans. A, England wasn't Puritan enough, so they went to become someone else's problem exactly in a major way, right? which i think a lot of people forget when they think about america i think particularly irish people because ireland was very much uh, under catholic rule we grew up with catholicism and america is a much more christian country i think in many ways than ireland catholicism a lot of the time in ireland is more of a ritual than the actual core beliefs in the way that it is in america in ireland you know, we viewed America as like, oh, the Great Apple, the big city, New York, you know, go out to LA. When in reality, America was built upon a group of people that decided England wasn't religious enough for them. And that's what the mm. society is built on. So that's why I think cunt in particular is so much more offensive there is, go I mean, again, there's no proof of this. This is my personal theory. Is because it was around this time that they went over there and they were particularly preaching against sexuality and cunt being the, the oldest word. And yeah. Mm. Well, that checks out because Australia was, I mean, 
forcefully and violently colonized shortly after um, because England couldn't send their prisoners to America anymore, shortly after the War of Independence, rather. So once England couldn't send their prisoners to America, they uh, sent them down here instead and, you know, kicked off a brutal genocide that they still haven't. We just had Invasion Day. We just had Australia Day. So this is <laughs> this is fresh in my mind. Um, but, yeah, so we were largely, you know, brutally colonised by prisoners. So maybe that's why we're more okay. There was no... You know, there was no, like, it wasn't a question of religious freedom to come to Australia. It was a question of here are 11 boats full of criminals. We're going to see how much of a problem we can be for the people who actually live here. Um, Criminals? Yeah, Yeah. there's no religion really in our, there's a bit of it, but there's not a lot of it in our um, national, our very short colonial sort of 200-ish years of, of history. And maybe that's why, maybe that's part of why we've, always been sort of okay with cunt yeah um maybe you know they would have been more sexually liberated probably the criminals coming over so maybe cunt was still used there wasn't a lot else to do yeah so maybe cunt was still used a lot of time in its descriptive way without that shame in america it was used with that shame so over time you're calling your friends a sick cunt in australia meanwhile in america you know cunt is up there with the the n-word and just oh you don't say that if you say it in a room there's yeah you get that, that, that mm. take it for it. there's an awkward tension whenever yeah i mean i'm sure there's other other factors along the way in terms of the the, the relationship yeah. of like religion and also of like conservatism and also of the control and like obsession with controlling women's bodies and as probably a phd thesis in like this yeah. word alone it's it's really interesting yeah. Around the same time that cunt became derogatory term for women is where vaginas mm. comes up. Which again is interesting. Yeah, we're gonna stop calling it what it is and we're gonna start referring to it directly in the context of how it relates to a penis. Yeah, exactly. Cunt in the seventeenth century was particularly a term used for promiscuous women. You women who use their cunt a lot, I guess. How dare they? <laughs> By the 18th century, cunt was an obscene and ugly word. Victorian erotica was filled with cunt in the literal sense of the, the word. In 1860, cunt was first recorded in the Oxford Dictionary as an insult. So it isn't until 1860 that, at least in text, at least that we can trace it back to it officially has become an insult in the English language. Hmm. Which but it was, it was in the Oxford Dictionary before that as a descriptive word. It was in the Oxford Dictionary before that, yes, it was, hmm. as a medical word for just, yeah. Hmm. The first instant being rope cunt lane. <laughs> um, have you heard of Lady uh, Chatterley's Lover? I think it's a book. I've heard of it, and that is the full extent of my knowledge, yes. Yeah, it was essentially in the early 20th century, um, it was a book by D.H. Lawrence and it caused quite the stir. It was published elsewhere in Europe and everywhere, but it was banned in England for promoting adultery and its explicit language. Cunt, among other things, was said a lot. Now, cunt in it was used as a descriptive word and it was celebrated a lot. Um, one of the reasons it caused quite a stir was is one of the first books out there to focus on the female pleasure and it was not used as an insult in the book and a reason 
this book is considered a huge kind of thing is because Penguin publishing, when they finally got around to publishing the book, it resulted in a massive court case <gasps> in 1959 that in 1960, it kind of changed obscenity in literature, which liberated publishing books. So it's why we can have, um, it's why, you know, we can have novels like Train Spotting, which has the word cunt 731 times in it. 730, that's what? Oh, as, as late as 1960, we were saying this book promotes bad behaviour, so we're going to, they, like, they wanted to ban it? In England, in England. That's wild. The opening remarks of the court case from the, of the prosecutor was, is it a book you would even wish your wife or your servant to read? <laughs> I guess not, because then she might realise what she's missing. Is that? Um, yeah, maybe. Don't want to give these women. It promoted adultery, which um, was a it was a big a big thing. But yeah, because presumably this but... woman was having a good time. This lady, Natalie, yes. and her lover. I want to read it yes. now, out of spite. <laughs> in 1971, Cunt appeared in mainstream media for the first time in carnal knowledge. Jack Nicholson says. Answer me, you ball-busting, castrating son of a cunt bitch. And here's the thing. In mainstream media, cunt is very often an insult. And you're actually, it's much more likely for cunt to be cut from a film It is if it's referring to the actual literal word that it means rather than the insult. Really? So The Exorcist, which I shamefully haven't seen because I don't like scary movies. <laughs> and it looks gross. Have you seen The Exorcist? No, I've seen the like dozen or so parodies of The Exorcist. So I feel like I have a decent idea of what goes on. Well, Cunt was in The Exorcist two times um, as an insult. It was meant to be used a third time. There was a scene in which when she's in the doctor, she says something. I'm paraphrasing here because I don't I didn't write it down. It was get your hands off my cunt or something like that. So it's interesting that the one that was cut was the one that literally refers to it. And you'll find this the case, you know, every, anytime you watch a movie, it's, it's used as the insult, but the actual literal meaning of the, the bits the, the is more likely to be cut. The anatomical meaning is more likely to be cut than, well, that's, I guess that's more dangerous because that's the one that like gives a bit of power back. That's the one that's descriptive and not like, that's the one that makes you actually think about the thing that it refers to and doesn't just do the knee jerk like oh that's bad because that's that word that's bad mm -hmm. therefore the thing that it's being applied to is bad yes. and you start to question that when you unravel it a bit and go well actually as a society and as a as a species we we owe rather a lot to cunts don't we yeah it's one of the oldest words if not the oldest word for mm. the female anatomy some American feminists of the 1970s, such as A.S. Catherine A. McKinnon and Andrea Dworkin, sought to get rid of words like cunt, as well as other disparaging terms for women, arguing that it dehumanizes women by deducing them to simply a body part. There are also feminists at, around that time, and even now, that argue the opposite, that we need to reclaim cunt, and the sheer fact that it remains such a hard insult is the patriarchy in clear view. That we need to use, yeah. And there's mm. a quote from Sexual Politics, which was considered one of the mainstream radical feminism key text from mm -hmm. the 1970s. Was that? Talking? And Kate Millett. Oh. 
and she quotes in it, somehow every indignity of the female ultimately comes to be symbolized in the sexuality that is often held her responsibility, her shame. And then it, she goes on to say, it can be summarized in one four letter word. And the word is not fuck, it's cunt. Our self-contempt originates in this, in knowing we are cunt. She's wrong though. There's there's huge debate amongst cunt, among feminists. And a lot of the arguments around cunt are all based in America is one thing I've noticed. America, radicalized American feminists from the 70s, changing views. Then there's the vagina monologues. Did yes. You ever... A classmate of mine did a monologue from that for our um our, our show, our end of end of drama school showcase. The one about, I was thinking about it earlier, actually, but I didn't want to get on too much of a tangent. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a monologue about uh, uh, the character um, experiences basically sexual dysfunction because she doesn't know what to call her 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 cunt, and the, the the big climax is that she learns the word vulva and that's its name and it's and it's beautiful. It's quite a lovely speech, but yeah, Eve Ensler, for those that you that don't know, wrote the vagina monologues in 1996 after interviewing and having conversations with about 200 women. Uh, there is also a section in it titled Reclaiming Cunt. Interesting. There's another monologue called that, which is quite little. And it it ends with the orgasmic chanting of the word with the audience and everyone. Inga Muschio. I'm so, I wish I was better pronounced. I try my best. <laughs> uh, she published her book, Cunt, A Declaration of Independence. And that was in the 90s as well, two years after that. From my understanding of it, it seems to be feminists of the 70s were kind of like, we need, you know, cunt to, it takes people away from this. By the 90s, it's let's reclaim cunt and like it symbolizes great power. So cunt, a declaration of independence, you know, argues that we need to use this word to reconnect with womankind and its lost history. Now, again, quite radical feminist views in that. I wouldn't agree with a lot of them. It's a bit, it's very witchy. She also argues that you know, birth control is sexist and some weird, yeah, but... Like, just in general, or the 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 kind of... The, the onus of it always being on women, or the fact that there's so many side effects that no one seems to give a shit about, or...? It's, it's very much an opinion piece, uh, very much the side effects, more the fact that, like, oh, it was designed by men, it reduces libido, but it's also the fact that, you know, the pill has done great things to liberate women and has also people who have endometriosis or various other medical Oh, absolutely. People have benefited I mean, from it. Oh, for sure, for sure. What I'm saying is I was going to buy and read the book and then I looked into it a bit and kind of saw some of the main arguments and I realized I don't think I would agree with most of it. So I actually was very bad at my research and this is a book that I didn't read, but I can kind of get the gist of it. But one thing that she... There's some stuff that definitely I do agree with, and that's, you know, just the whole history of cunt, but it kind of tips it tips into this. And again, it's America as well. There's there's this uh, relation between feminism and witchy spiritual stuff and mm. crystals. Ah, yes. Which, which again, it seems very American, is uh, crystals and yoni eggs, and it's a similar Gwyneth Paltrow. Everything relates back to Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> I wonder what Jermaine Greer reckons about the word cunt because she's Australian and mm. she's, I mean, she said some horrifically transphobic things. So I have, I have a, a certain, I, I, I maintain a certain distance from her ideas. 
but she's also said some like pretty she's written some pretty groundbreaking yeah stuff i wonder what her view on the word cunt is i know this i don't know what it is i know it you know fantastic i came up with my research i read the female eunuch and like i agree with you it's an amazing book but yeah jermaine greer is a an interesting one because as you said some very you know transphobic things that she said in the past very much turf territory which drives me insane because you read the female eunuch and the things she's saying about womanhood are like directly applicable Mm. to the experience of transgender women almost more so and it's like how could you have missed the point this badly Jermaine it feels more like she's gatekeeping what it is to be a woman and this is a thing that bothered me like a lot of her work it really like helped transgender people like able to live the, the life that they are able to live And when you actually read through her arguments, it seems her only issue is terminology by using correct pronouns, which I'm kind of like, that's such a petty thing for you agree with everything else, except for this one thing that like, but anyway, Jermaine Hmm. Greer in the, you know, was it the 80s was the female eunuch, 70s, 80s, around that time when she was first. Late 70s. Late 70s. I think it was, I want to say 1970, there you go she was all for cunt she was like we need to reclaim that word use the word but recently within the past few years she has gone back on that and says she thinks there's something great about cunt still having its power the fact that it is still such a powerful word and that the most powerful word in the well one of the most powerful words in the english language relates to women which she thinks it's kind of great and she's worried that if we which again feels like gatekeeping so she's changed her stance on it, and I think it's kind of related to also her view on even on transgenderism. It's you know the terminology is like, oh, we should be able to use cunt, and it to shock people instead of trying to desensitize it. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm powerful because this is my anatomy, which is which is a neat little way of of gatekeeping womanhood from people who don't have cunts. That's yeah, that's that's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah, because my knee-jerk reaction was like, yeah, it is cool that that word is so powerful, but yeah. So. Hmm. Not for good reasons. Currently, a lot of modern-day feminists are reclaiming it. You can buy loads of cute jewellery on Etsy with cunt on it and get cunt earrings, cunt necklaces, bags with cunt. The theory is that currently among most modern feminists in the movement is using cunt as much as possible, even if it's as a swear word. You know, when I first heard about this, I'm kind of like, well, why don't we just only start only referring to cunt as the, your, your, for your foof. Anatomical. <laughs> for your foof. Um, <laughs> and not use it as a sweat word. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to only refer to that word when I'm, you know, specifically talking about a cunt. But then the argument is, in order for language to work and to evolve, you need to desensitize it. I mean, if you think about it, we call people dickheads all the time. Yeah. But dick is still the a lot of there's still the word you know for for repeatus so the idea is hmm. you know we need to call things cunt and cunty and call someone a cunt so it stops being such an awful swear word if it's just said all the time like it is in australia so then it will be able to be reclaimed and in regards to my personal personal understanding of of cunt i am between two minds there are some people that argue it's too late will cunt ever be reclaimed is it is it too ingrained as being such an awful word for it to properly just go back to just being you know the cunt um like a lot of uh 
again, like feminists re like refer to each other as cunts. So in regards to using it as a swear word, is it about just using it as much as we can? Not as much as we can, but about stripping it of its power. Yeah, every sentence. Stripping it of its power or by separate, trying to bring it back to what it originally was. But if the only way we can do that is by stripping those power is by using it as an insult still what do you think cunt empowering or demeaning it is difficult i think the answer probably lies somewhere my impulse for it anyway as someone who enjoys it a lot as a word and finds it very funny so that's my sort of bias um i think there's something in acknowledging and celebrating it as a word with all of its various disparate meanings and all of its even the even the, the phonetic the sound of it and the meaning of it now and the meaning of it seven thousand years ago like this long 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 history and kind of honoring what it is what it has meant what it does mean what it can mean i think there's something in the descriptivism meets prescriptivism kind of battleground there of like we want it we want it to have this role and we don't want it to have this role and it's very hard to control language. So I think just doing stuff like this, talking about it, saying, all right, well, it's offensive because of this, but it didn't used to be because of yeah. that. So Just getting rid of that hesitation, you know? Just acknowledging that it's a word and that we can say it. So I'm, I'm very recently on Team Cunt and that's because of Kate Lister's book A Curious History of Sex as uh, she starts off by being like you're gonna be a teen cunt by the end of this chapter and then it was the end of the chapter and I was like you know what I kind of am now and I did more research yeah because it's because I was not happy with something vagina just sounds weird clinical it sounds really clinical and it also only refers to the the inside was cunt refers to to everything um and it was what was used as the medical term cunt was the the godmother of all words that relate to to everything down there so yeah and like why are we doing the patriarchy's work for it by going oh no it's a shameful word like no it's it's, it's bad it's a swear people find it people find it hurtful so we shouldn't use it it's like yeah, that's that was put onto it it's like here's a here's a wild connection um there has been a movement. It's not the same thing at all, but it reminds me of a movement in the last little while um, where the word queer is trying to be framed as a slur mm. and as a word that you should use for people because some people find it hurtful and it has been used in an insulting way against people. And I, my vision goes red and I become a slavering werewolf beast whenever I hear this brought up for any reason because the word queer is an extremely valuable umbrella descriptive term yeah. that did not originate as a slur, but like every single word that has been used to apply to queer people, gay, um, especially, I mean, when I was in year six, gay was like the word that you used for someone you thought was, you know, oh, that's gay. Oh, I've got so much homework. That's gay. Like, Oh, it's it, the same. It was the same in uh, in, in Ireland. <laughs> right. Like, like, yeah, like 12, say, 12 year old boys. Like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, don't be so gay. I got so much homework. That's gay. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, which is in and of itself. But no one is saying like, oh, well, you know, the gay pride marchers can't call themselves that because gay is actually a slur. It's a slur. Like no one's doing that because like 
if a word describes something that people hate, that word is going to be used by some people as an insult and we cannot let those people decide which words are and aren't a slur and are and aren't like forbidden. Hmm. Which is why I defend the word queer to my dad. Well, queer is actually often so it's not it's it was like it came up in my research of reclaiming cunt. It was queer came up a lot because the idea is like if they can reclaim queer, why can't we reclaim cunt? But then there's also the argument that does reclaiming words really do that much in the grand scheme to to help the help the movements? I mean, having I've, this is specifically well, queer queer is different, I think, because as you said, queer is such a fantastic umbrella. It's also term. an academic term. Like queer theory has been a thing for decades. Yeah. So the fact that people are trying to demonize it now is like pretty blatantly a a, a, a weapon. Like pretty blatantly. I've never heard of people trying to demonize it now. Um, so yeah, the transphobes are are out there, unfortunately, because it's a really it's a really uh, valuable word for you know people who are questioning their gender and they don't necessarily fall under LGBT, but they kind of it's just it's a good word. But it's an inclusive yeah, word, no, and I, that's, I definitely what, agree that's what turfs don't like because they want to be able to exclude as much as possible trans people. Yeah, that's that's the sort of that's the the short story of it. So yeah, queer is a slur. Seemed, I mean, dog my whole that makes me like activate like a. Mm. My whole kind of uh, theory on you know the whole uh, on turfs is that they're just directing their anger to the wrong place. Oh, absolutely. You know, the queer scene was very heavily dominated by white gay men. I think I always just think to um, the time that I was in a gay bar in Dublin for a friend's birthday. And I was there with my boyfriend at the time who bisexual and we weren't making out or being coupley there. But a guy like went and like hit on him and he was like, oh, I'm actually like here with my girlfriend. And he got berated by this guy. He's like, oh, you shouldn't be here, blah, 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 blah. Where it's like, well, he does belong in this space technically. And it's, that's a whole argument in itself as well. But I think particularly queer women, but very particularly lesbian women, not um They would not be thrilled with having the Q slur applied to them. It's weird. I think, you know, feminists, like turf feminists have this hatred towards trans people in a way that like some gay men have against bi men because there is a huge thing with um a lot of gay men not believing in bisexuality or like just admit that you're gay kind of thing Mm. yeah yeah that thing of the biphobia of like if you're a bi man just admit that you're gay and if you're a bi woman just admit that you're straight like that's that's the kind of yes as a, as a as a bi woman that's the that's the that's the narrative we get like oh you just want attention yeah no, exactly I'd, I'd actually like less attention from people who say that kind of stuff but okay was all of that excludes gay women or like lesbians oh yeah yeah women women who love women don't exist is the is the narrative exactly and i think and i think that's why this hatred towards trans people or not hatred because I think a lot of them don't I think they just don't really understand I think they have felt undervalued in their own ways and it's almost a jealousy I think that uh, like a trans woman 
might get more attention than them. It's a, it's a weird deep seated that makes no sense. I find it, I find it really, this is very much tangent, but I find it fascinating that what it boils down to a lot of the time is gender essentialism. Like it is ascribing everything like, because it's basically saying that like, you're not a woman because you don't have the same genitalia as me, which is wild. Cause it says that all a woman is, is her genitalia. And like, where are we on that as a, as a, as a, as a, as a feminist, like society, like how do we, how do we feel about that being our, like, you know? Yeah. I think it is interesting that as we going all the way back that Jermaine Greer, when she was first writing her, which were radical at the time was like, Oh, it's messed up that cunts a swear word. And, you know, let's just, reclaim cunts and like it should shouldn't have so much power and now her views have changed in that i don't want it to lose its Mm. power because it's our word yeah actually it's very important for some reason for people with this particular set of anatomy to have their own thing that can't be taken by people who don't have it it's very interesting i mean she didn't specifically she didn't specifically say that but i think if you compare it to her modern views, that does make sense that that's how her brain is, is working. So have I, mm. that's, there you go. That's cunt. Have I changed your, your views on it? Changed my views on it. Oh, I've definitely thought more deeply about my views. On my, my, my views have certainly been opened up and I'm going to start with, with baby steps. As in, I can say the word now without pausing. But I think I would still feel weird if I was to call someone a cunt or if I was to refer to genitalia as a cunt, you know? Mm. I think I think that we can honour and celebrate and love the word and also acknowledge that, like most words, it is contextual and very dependent on the people we're with and our audience. Yes, so that's... Cunt, let me know if you have changed your mind on cunt. And that's our, that's the end of the episode. Lucy, I bet you didn't think we'd be talking about cunt for an hour. I was, I was, I was ready. I was ready for anything. You're always ready to talk about cunt as an Australian. It's absolutely ingrained. Lucy, do you have anything you wanted to plug or, or say to, to our listeners? I mean, I would, I would say, hey, come visit Australia, but you're not allowed to. Come visit Australia once the borders open and the vaccine's out and all of this madness is replaced with different madness. And theatre's happening again. Yeah. But yeah, um, thank you. I have been Saoirse Sinead, which I didn't say at the start. I'm really bad at introducing myself at the start of episodes. I do it sometimes, but not, not all the time. Um, That's what editing can... is for. Nah, I never do it though. I never do it. <laughs> you can find me at Searchable on Twitter or you can email Absurd Real History. If you have any inquiries or episode ideas, I love getting episode suggestions. Um, this has been brought to you by my theatre company, Scream for Ireland. So if you want to give that a like on all my socials for that, that would be sound as well. So yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know what you think. It's a bit controversial and um, sorry mother she listens to my episode for saying cunt all the time and yeah um goodbye all you cunts out there <laughs> <laughs>
baby steps.